Good evening and welcome to Punt the Quarterback Podcast. I'm Rick Navalani. This is Tim Singer. We are just getting in down to it, getting close to draft season here. We're totally excited for fantasy football, getting amped up. We've got our second order of picks already coming up, Tim. Yeah, a couple days away from our, our draft weekend. I know a lot of people start this weekend and, you know, based on lives and Labor Day weekend, stuff like that, but we're starting. It'll start this weekend. It'll bleed right into the night before. A lot of people do the night before that Thursday game, but, you know, we're about just over two weeks away from the opener, Yeah, so it's exciting times. Yeah, we have our our, uh, 30-year league. We do ours the last Sunday in August, so it gives us a good 10 days before the season starts. I mean, plenty of stuff can happen, but... uh... Yeah, I mean, it just makes it easier because you got the Labor Day weekend. It's hard to get everybody together. Yeah. Um, everyone's lives are, are busy right now and stuff like that. So it's always set up last Sunday in August. But better than that is we've got a twofer because then as yeah. we come back around, we draft our 30-year league in the morning, and then in the evening we have our 10-team league that we do together. And, Tim, where did you end up this time? Uh, last year? Oh, or no, my oh, draft pick, eighth. Yes, eighth. Yeah, so ninth thinking, and one, eighth and the other. Great. Nine and eight. I get to say pick, goodbye to the big four. I get to pick last at twelve, and then I get good old number two. Yeah, yeah. There you go, Delvin Cook. Welcome, welcome aboard. Yeah, Del- well, I'll, I'll take McCaffrey if he's there. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Either way, six one half dozen the other. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot for everybody for checking in here and tuning in. We appreciate it. We hope you get uh, some good spots here. Um, real quick, Tim, before we get into the news and stuff like that, I want to throw something out there. We've had these these times before where people get to pick where they pick at for draft positions. Now. Um, some people it just goes by random draw, and then sometimes it's like, oh, hey, you won, so you get to pick where you want to go. Can you tell me any time where it doesn't make sense to be as close to one as possible? I have no idea. And we've run into that a couple times with, you know, our, our PPR league, where people are like, you know, you've got the fifth pick. Oh, I'll take 10. And I'll be like, I, I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like you should always want to be as close to number one as possible. You want to get, you want to start your team with the best player possible, and what comes around in two, three, four, and so on is what comes around. I, I, I just, I feel like, especially, in, and we'll talk about it in draft strategies. If you can get a top four player, you get them. Yeah, I, I mean, and I say top four because you know we've talked about it. I believe this is a four-person draft, and it starts at five. But I, I know a lot of people that are in love with Saquon Barkley or Devontae Adams is a huge difference maker in a PPR league. So, I, I mean, you know, six, one, half dozen, the other. But why wouldn't you want to be as close to one as possible? That's what I was trying to yeah. say. I've, I've had some people send me messages like, hey, I could choose my draft position. Um, do I pick seven, eight, nine, or ten? And I was like, why wouldn't you pick seven? Why wouldn't yeah. you want the choice of picking somebody? Now, well, no, but seven doesn't mean that you're getting the 7th best running back or the 7th best player, because a lot of times what you and me think might be the best players, somebody else doesn't. Or say you're in a league of guys who just do it for fun, and they want to take their favorite player. So like maybe the guy's picking 3rd, but he's a Chiefs fan, so he wants Pat Mahomes. I mean, it, it, wherever you pick 7th, 8th, or whatever, doesn't mean you're getting the 7th best player. So as close to one as you can get, you should. Yeah, I think that at that point, you just have as much control over your team as possible the closer you are to one. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not dictating on everybody else's. All right, well, let's get to the news because I just wanted to throw that yeah. out there because it was something that somebody was bringing up to people have brought yeah, up. Yeah, no, we've, we've gotten some feedback from our last episode, and I, I appreciate that from yeah. both people that listen. Keep <laughs> keep sending <laughs> yeah. the feedback. If you got if you got some uh, questions to ask, go ahead and throw it this way. All right, so let's talk about the big news that just happened yesterday morning. Yeah. We found out that I, Travis Etienne, uh, foot injury... 
I was hearing at first, they were like, oh, I don't think it's going to be serious. I don't think it's Liz Frank. And then you hear season-ending IR. It is Liz Frank. Well, He's the, done the, for the Yeah, the, the news cycle, everybody's got to hit. And everybody wants to be Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport and be the, I've got to be the first to hit it with Twitter. And it happened Monday night in the preseason game. And, uh, you know, that's... That's always the argument of rust versus rest and, you know, do coaches play their guys? Because in reviewing Week two's preseason games, and I did a lot of review, just quick review, but it was nice. Saturday had NFL Network really hit a home run with this. They had a quadruple header of preseason games, starting with the Bears-Bills at noon. And I'm not going to lie, I watched most of it. It was one of those days mm-hmm. where me and a bottle of whiskey spent some time watching preseason football. But... um. I, I, I was prepared to look into all that. Half the teams took it seriously and had their guys play for the first half and treated it like it was the old dress rehearsal third game. And half the teams just said, forget it, like Green Bay. Here's my third-string quarterback. Go get him. You know. But, yeah, Monday night's game, the news cycle of the last 48 hours really changed our quote-unquote A block. Yeah. I mean, Travis Etienne, like I said, the news at first was, uh, you know, ankle injury, high, high or low, whatever. And then Tuesday it came out with Frank injury. And Schefter's saying, uh, likely out for the season. Rappaport says minimum 12 weeks, but likely out the season. Now, NFL teams don't have to start making roster moves until the week of, uh, you know, once they cut down to 53 in the week of whatever. So if we see him go on IR without the designation of return. I've that, I've heard you know, that from Fantasy Sports on Sirius yeah. XM that he was put on season-ending IR. Okay, you know, like I said, I I was a little behind my Twitter feed while I was working this morning, so I I, I guess my my I guess we just hit him with the cross him off mm. the list. Yes, you know. But let's so, talk so, about what that does for James Robinson, right? And that's what I was going to lead into. Yeah, I feel bad for people that already drafted, but what does that do from James Robinson's stock? I think he's a, he moves him into third round territory. He's the, he's probably a solid number two running back now. I yeah. think he probably could have been a number two before, but now you're talking about a solid number two. Yeah, now you're guaranteed. Yeah, and and, and let me. I wrote him down, and I I know I don't want to bore people with stats, but I did write him down in case people forgot how good he was last season. He played 15 games, had 14, 14, 1400 yards from scrimmage. 1070 were rushing yards. He had seven rushing touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns, and 49 receptions. So in case you forgot just how good he was last year for a very bad team, there the numbers are. I mean, he's clear RB2. An undrafted rookie free agent last yeah, year that, on top of that. Yeah, that, that goes to show just how important playing the waiver wire is, keeping an eye on stuff. You know, a lot of people, I, I think you, if you start your day in the bathroom with your phone in your hand, why not spend 60 seconds looking Hey, what happened in the news cycle? Mm-hmm. Should I take a speculative ad? Especially if your rosters are 15 rounds deep, 16 rounds deep, and you've got seven or eight bench spots, I, I think at least half of those should be lottery tickets. Mm-hmm. Do you so, remember the last undrafted rookie free agent to be this successful? I I, I, I would have to take a minute to think about it, but I'm sure you got it fired I, up. I do. Arian Foster. Arian Foster, wow. Remember that? He came I out do remember week Arian one Foster. in Houston, like how long ago? It's a, but, but some people don't want to live in the time machine. So let's get back to the Travis the Travis yeah, injury. No, like, James Robinson, his stock goes sky-flying yeah. high. I Clear think round, another round three, RB2. Yes. Is Carlos Hyde draftable? Maybe. I, I don't really see him being on my team because I'm not a big handcuffer, but I could totally see if he, if it looks like I'm he's going to get it, that, if he looks like he's going to get those touches, then somebody else will probably take a flyer on him. I don't know. I don't really believe Carlos Hyde. He's been on my team before with that horrible Cleveland experiment oh, God, when he went yeah, there and, yeah. and with Chubb, and, and it was it was bad. And okay. 
I, I just don't see him being on my no, team. No, that, that's probably 30 seconds we didn't need to spend on him. Yes. <laughs> but another guy whose value, I believe, goes way up is, is LaVisca Chenault. I believe that a lot of stuff that I was hearing was Etienne was working out of the backfield, but he was also lining up in the slot, and that was cutting into LaVisca Chenault's possible slot production. Yeah, they're going to have to do some... One of the things I noticed about watching the Monday night game, and, and it's not just because it's a preseason game, their offensive line is an instant shambles. Uh, I mean, I know Urban Meyer was very successful in college football, but I don't think he realized you don't get five-star recruits at every position every year. And to spend a first-round draft pick on Travis Etienne, and, and twenty hindsight's always twenty twenty, but to spend a first-round pick on a running back, when your running back room was already pretty good, that could have went to an offensive lineman. Because if you're going to make Sunshine your first overall pick and your franchise guy, you got to protect him. Well, how many people thought that when they picked Etienne that they weren't really big on Robinson? I mean, we well, were talking possible, about it at four. But I'm just saying, I, I really feel like if your franchise runs through Sunshine Lawrence, then you really need to have an offensive line. You need to protect him. And, I mean, and it shows, you know... I, I I just feel like if 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 you don't I don't want to go way back but if you look at the Joe Kibbs Redskins back in the day they won three different Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks but the same offensive line yeah and I just feel like you build a team on the inside you know offensive line defensive line and I I'm not going to go too in far to that but yeah I I agree with what you're saying about Chenault I I don't know if it's skyrockets I think it adds maybe a round to his value I think he already had sneaker sleep sneaky sleeper value. And they are going to find ways to get him involved. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's talk about uh, the next the next yeah, one. Which... The, yeah, the other big news, and it, it happened this morning. Uh, the New England Patriots have traded running back Sony Michelle to the Rams. It's going to end up being a fourth round pick because of compensatory, but I, nobody really cares about that. Um, and I guess that stemmed from a thumb sprain that Daryl Henderson obtained in Monday's practice. So I mean, we were building the case for. Daryl Henderson's value really high, and one of the reasons I cited was that um, they haven't traded for a guy or brought in a veteran. Well, now they have. Mm -hmm. So what does that do to Daryl Henderson's value? What does that do with Sony Michelle? And not only that, but like Damian Harrison New England, we, we've got a lot of things to spray on this. Yeah, um, I think also you could even bring up that uh, that rookie, that Rashandre Stevenson. Well, I, I with was going to build to that. I, I don't know how you know he's probably fourth on the list. Of all, right, all right, all right, all right. Let's circle, let's circle around. What Ramonde I will say, Stevenson. Yeah. What I will say is is that I don't believe that this really affects Darrell Henderson's value too much. I will say that it probably will cut into his touchdowns. Because Sony Michelle is a bigger back, he seems more likely to get. He seems yeah. more likely to get the goal line touches. Darrell Henderson, I feel like whenever I watched him out of the three, Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers and Darrell Henderson, I feel like he was the least successful goal line back of the three. Whenever they put him into a goal line situation, so that kind of scares me now that they bring Sony Michelle in. Yeah, so he probably loses a little bit of value in standard leagues. Um, Probably maintains it in PPR leagues because I, I, I've seen Sony Michelle as a Patriots fan. I've seen him. He doesn't do a hell of a lot on third down. <laughs> you know, and granted, they have James White, so they don't even try him on third down. But uh, I, I feel like he's going to retain value as long as his thumb sprain is not. And they're saying he'll be back for week one. Mm -hmm. But um, I, 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 the angle I wanted to hit is what does that do to Damian Harris's value? I, I think he, I don't know if he's full on RB2 because that makes him top 24, but he's definite. Flex RB two if you're starting him in the fourth round. I mean, yeah, if you're if you're going like a hero hero running back or a zero running back, he's he's a pretty 
I think he's a viable starter. I thought I've been high on Damian Harris this whole time. The only thing that scares me is, is moving Michelle is maybe they think highly, more highly of the backups than I thought they did. Well, yeah, and you brought up your your Ramondre Stevenson. <laughs> you know, I've, I've already called the Rashandre, Rashandre, I think like five times. So. Oh, I'm sure his teammates misspell his name too. I, I, I they have a clear heart hierarchy in New England. Um, Belichick likes to lean with veterans. He's made it. Uh, abundantly clear every time he gets asked about Mac Jones and Cam Newton, he's the old uh, champions thing where you've got to defeat him to t- take his position. Mm-hmm. Um, although he also, in the risk about carrying New England backs, is he's very, Belichick's very anti-fumble. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it happen a lot of times where a guy loses a fumble in the first quarter, he's planting himself on the bench the rest of the game. So, you know, there is always that risk. Da- uh, Damian Harris has been one of my favorite picks so far in the preseason. Because his ADP has been very low. Yeah. So if you're one of those guys, and we'll talk about it in a little bit, uh, if you do zero running back or hero running back, you start collecting backs around round seven, mm-hmm. where his ADP, I thought he was great value. Now, the problem is we live in a world of recency bias. The news cycle moves 24 hours. I think the the with this trade happening so close to drafts, maybe Damian Harris's value shoots up too high. You know, and like we were talking about how, you you know, you're talking about potential busts where you like a guy or you don't like a guy and you say, I'm not taking him. But then he starts, you know, falling three or four rounds and all of a sudden he's got a good value. This could work in reverse where I love him at his current average draft position. But if he shoots up three or four rounds, that's too rich for my blood. Yeah. You know. Yeah. All right. Well, well, we're wrapping this segment up here. Let me throw you, throw you some Spitfire right now. James Robinson or... I, I don't know what you're working at for. <laughs> James Robinson. If you're asking me Robinson or David Harris? <laughs> James, I mean, no, James Robinson or Darrell Henderson? Um, James Robinson. Okay. I, I You know, which is weird. I, I'd like to, I, I live in the world of, I want to see you've done it before, and mm-hmm. Robinson's only done it one year, yeah, yeah. but Henderson hasn't done it yet. So. All right. All right, one more. What about you? I actually think James Robinson. I, I like James Robinson. Okay. I, I, I was... yeah, yeah, and I think, they're, I, I think we're splitting hairs. I think... I think uh, James Robinson becomes a solid third-round pick mm-hmm. now, and Daryl Henderson retains his fourth-round value. All right. Let me throw yeah. one more out for you. Oh, we're Sony, would you rather now, so, huh? No, we'll just, just right now. Okay. Sony Michelle or Ramondre Stevenson? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, if, if we're digging in those zero <laughs> running back collecting the lottery tickets, you know, I... I Sony Michelle's done it before. They traded for him for a reason, and I, I've made made it perfectly clear how high I am on the Rams this year. So I, I guess I'd say Sony Michelle. But if you're collecting lottery tickets as a zero running back approach, it makes sense to go with the rookies with upside. Yeah, I would say if you had if you were going to pick somebody in your last pick, and it came down to Sony Michelle or Ramondre Stevenson, I would probably say to take the rookie and go with the go with the bigger upside, bigger ceiling. Yeah, no, I guess if I understand what you're saying, and a lot of times I like to go established solid when it comes to my starting lineup, and then the back half. You've seen my bench is usually lottery tickets, where if I got seven lottery tickets on the bench, I need two or three to hit, and hit I mean like you know difference making when you a championship hit. Yeah, yeah. you know uh, we had some other quick news. To round out the last 48 hours, Denver has officially... Well, let me get the laugher out of the way first. <laughs> Urban Meyer officially named Trevor Lawrence the starting quarterback. Which is... Tell me something that I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. That was the worst kept secret, you know, short of CM Punk showing up on AEW <laughs> in Chicago. This is, this is Urban Meyer right now. It's just being like, you know what? Gardner Minch is pretty cool. 
Yeah, we'll no, just give th- him a chance. He did, he did not leave that cushy job analyzing college football to go yeah. out to battle with Garner Minshew, <laughs> no matter how cool the mustache and the headband is. All right. And, and of course, then Teddy Bridgewater was named starting quarterback in Denver. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that makes him draftable outside of two QBR leagues, mm. but at least we know he's a solid veteran. And I feel, I don't know if I feel safer, but I, I'll say it. I feel safer taking Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant. You know, some of those guys, I feel a little more comfortable doing I feel that. like with what you saw with him in Carolina last year with the three receivers, with uh, Robbie yeah. Anderson and, J- and Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore, I think yeah. you're going to see a lot, a lot more consistency from the Denver receivers than you saw before. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. All right, so now we're going to talk about draft strategies and different types of draft strategies. Um, I think we should start off by saying that if you ever go into a draft thinking that you're just going to do this strategy and stick to this strategy, you're going to lose. You right. kind of have to do what the the draft dictates. It what the draft shows you, you kind of have to go with. Yeah, no, let, let me yeah, let me uh say it right out. It's what you know my favorite movie ever is Rounders. Mm-hmm. Uh, very few people see it. it's a niche, but they've got a great line to start the movie. If in the first hour in the you can't spot the fish at the table, you are the fish at the table. Yes. You know, and 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 that's the same thing. If you can come in with an idea of what you want to do, but you got to be able to to take what the draft gives you, zig and zag. You know, I mean, you can say, I have no interest in Delvin Cook. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not going to get him because I got the fifth pick. So I'm going to take Devontae Adams. Well, guess what? Maybe you're in a draft full of Packers fans and they don't like Delvin Cook because he's a Viking. All of a sudden he falls to you. Yeah. You got to be able to scoop it. Mm-hmm. Well, same thing. Like I said, I like once I pulled the ninth pick in our league, I did a bunch of mocks. On a sleeper app, really love the sleeper app. I think it's very helpful for mocks. Um, and one of the scenarios, eight straight running backs came. So I was staring down the barrel of Devontae Adams or, or you know whoever was left. And I scooped at Devontae Adams just to see, okay, if I take him there, what's left for me at running backs? Mm-hmm. So it's important to, to be able to zig and zag, but you can have a general idea of what you'd like to do. Mm-hmm. So So let's... We're going to throw out a whole bunch of different strategies here um, and just bounce off some ideas off of it if you were planning on go these things. But if you're going to punt the quarterback, you can't you can't just say, I'm going to wait until the 10th round because depending on how, dicta- how the draft dictates, you can't do that. If you can't wait until the 8th round, you can kind of just see where things go. But at some point, you got to follow the room and understand where you're running out of time. Yeah, I, I've talked about it a couple times. I, I like to punt the QB, not because I don't think it's an important position, but a lot of times I can print off the cheat sheet, look at who's the 12th ranked quarterback, and be like, okay, if I'm in a 12-team league and everybody else takes theirs, I'm okay with this guy. And that sounds good until all the other teams start playing offense. Yeah, They notice, this, you know, if you're in a live draft, the stickers are up there, they see who hasn't taken a quarterback, and they can turn around and be like, you know what? Screw this guy. Let's start taking backups and let's just, you know. And it happened to me the year I thought there was four quarterbacks left. I liked all four of them. Two guys, only two teams didn't have one. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get Big Ben. He went right in front of me and I was stuck starting Joe Flacco, which meant I was streaming quarterbacks the whole season. And and that was some cunning and guile that got me into the playoffs that year. Mm -hmm. But other teams, and, and you can also play the other end. You, if you've got an established guy and you're like, I'm not taking a backup for a while, but you see somebody doing that in your draft room where they're waiting and they're waiting, hey, maybe a couple of you get together. I'm not saying you know, plan it, but you know what? Maybe I will take my backup because playing offense against your other teams, they are your competition, is just as important. Well, a team with, a, a team with Joe Flacco <laughs> at quarterback or 
let's uh, say somebody at no point was Joe Flacco good. Yeah, but I'm just saying, if you, at any point you have somebody like that and you totally stick it to somebody else, you know that's one less team you might have to worry about. Exactly. That's what I mean by playing offense. Yes. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about our, our the name of our podcast punt the quarterback yeah punt the quarterback is what we believe it's a religion for it's us. pretty much what me and tim have been doing for pretty much 25 out of the 30 years that we've been doing fantasy yeah. football it's that you just hold off on taking the quarterback you let the big quarterbacks go and you find the guys that get and it's worked recently because you've got pat mahomes like three years ago went in the 10th round you got yeah, lamar, lamar jackson, jackson came out of nowhere, came out of nowhere. Yeah. josh allen came out of nowhere that same year yeah, lamar jackson came out of nowhere I mean, you got a lot of good quality quarterbacks that went late because they just blew up at the right time. So let's talk, Tim. Punt the quarterback. Yeah, you know, by punt the quarterback, we don't mean you're not taking one, clearly. What we mean is you're starting to take your quarterback after the seventh round. And you do that as a strategy to build other positions. At some point I'm going to make later, I truly believe this year, as opposed to any other year we've been doing it, is a year of depth. Because I, I think... COVID close contacts is going to pull guys. You're going to wake up Sunday morning not knowing somebody's playing or not. So I think if you're going to punt the QB, which means, like I said, starting to target your quarterback after the seventh round, you're doing it to build, I want three or four running backs. I want three or four receivers. I want to get a top three tight end. I want to build the rest of my roster so that I've got strength. So after the eighth round, I looked at, and, I, and I'm working off of, and I'll, I'll say now, I'm working off of ESPN and CBS's average draft positions. I printed mm-hmm. them up last night. Rick is working off of Fantasy Pros and Fantasy Calculator. Mm-hmm. So we've got a range of uh, ADP. We're not just sticking with one and hoping it's right. Some of the, some of the guys I highlighted um, at their current, and I'll cheat a little bit, Matt Stafford is currently going the eighth pick in the seventh round. He's one of my favorite guys to, you know, I believe he's ranked anywhere 13th or 14th in most rankings. I'd be happy with him as my starter. Um, I know in our mock draft last week, you ended up with Jalen Hurts. I believe it was the 10th round? Or yeah, it was the 8th. 10th round. Yeah, it was pretty late. He's currently going, and I brought it up in my overvalued, undervalued, why I thought he was overvalued, because he was going 4th round, 5th round. He was going high. I looked as of last night, he's currently going 5th pick in the 8th round, 95th overall. At that point, the market has corrected, and at that point, he's a pretty good punt the QB core, uh, target. Uh, anybody else you're looking at? Or? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I brought it up before. Ryan Tannehill is somebody that yeah, I think I, is... I, where's his current ad? Where do you have? I, I, Tannehill, I have at 8-12. Really? Okay. Yeah, CBS and ESPN had him going above before the seventh round. So oh. for my exercise, it didn't qualify. But, yeah. You know. um, yeah, I, I think when you're talking I, about like Jalen Hurts, uh, Matthew Stafford... <laughs> Uh, Ryan Tannehill. Those are pretty much like the three guys that I would say if I'm going to punt the quarterback that long, that late, that's what I'm going to be doing. Right, and and that's the thing. Like I said, the, the year I was talking about how I got stuck with Flacco, I saw there was two teams that didn't have and one besides me, and there was four guys I liked. Because what I do is I I put lines on my cheat sheet, I put circles next to guys I like, I counted four circles in two spots. So most of the time it's going to work out. I, I you know, uh, I brought it up to you before. I, I reiterate a little bit. At any point in a, say, 15 round or deeper, do you think Deshaun Watson is worth a dart throw? If you're talking deeper than a 15th round, it's 15 round, or you're talking about like a 18 or 19? Yeah. Okay. Why That's, not? I mean, after 15 rounds. I, I think also, and while I don't condone it, I, I also think Matt Ryan, I know he's getting older, 
but I noticed he had dropped nine spots in the last week. He's currently going the fifth pick in the 11th round. Mm-hmm. So if you get completely boxed out by the rest of your guys and you're stuck down the barrel, and, and, and also, too, by punting the QB, you can pair guys. Pair them by being put two guys together. So yeah. you can take a rookie who you think has good upside and could turn into something, something like a Trey Lance who's going the 11th pick in the 11th round, or Justin Fields who's going 12th and 11th, and that might drop after Nagy officially named Andy Dalton the week one starter. Mm-hmm. People, But what I'm saying is you could take a guy with Justin Fields or Trey Lance who have the rushing upside, and that's what Justin Fields has done really well in this preseason. That offensive line is in shambles. Justin Fields can get away, and he had 36 rushing yards the first week, 50, I want to say 50 the second week, you know, if you want to take a guy like Trey Lance or Justin Fields or even Zach Wilson, uh, who's going undrafted in a lot of leagues, if you want to take them and pair them with a boring veteran like Matt Ryan, who's going, like I said, fifth pick in the 11th round, you can do that, plug Matt Ryan in, because that's a bad team that's going to be losing early and often, yep. until Trey Lance or Justin Fields gets their chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think when you're you're talking about um, the possibilities of if Jameis Winston is named the starter, I think he's somebody that you could you could punt. Uh, you could punt and wait and take him, and then back him up with with a with a young young quarterback that has a lot of a lot of upside. Yeah, I, I generally, <clears throat> I, I when I see the second tier of quarterbacks going, I like to try to scoop one there, just because I don't want to get caught around later having nobody. Mm-hmm. I would say you if know. you're gonna, the only strat- thing I would say is if you end up with uh, a strategy that where you put off on quarterback to the point where you're punting the quarterback and take one in the eighth round. I pretty much think you pretty much are assuring yourself you have to take a backup. Right, and that's what I was yeah, the point I was going to make. If you take somebody in the first or second tier, there's no point in taking a backup because if you're waiting till 12, 13, 14th round, like I said, I brought up a guy named Matt Ryan in the fifth pick in the 11th round. If you're waiting that long, most of those guys are all going to be about the same on waivers. You're going to be able to pick up. I was able to use. I had Russell Wilson last year in our league. Mm-hmm. During his bye week, I picked up Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he got me, I think, 27 points. I won the week, and I sent him back to waivers and went with Russell Wilson every other yeah. week. And that's the point is, if you invest an early enough pick in a star quarterback, why waste a roster spot on a backup to use in one week? And even if he gets injured, you're hitting waivers anyway. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to uh, a new strategy here. Um, let's Let's move on to... Uh, punting another position. Let's move on to punting the tight end. Yeah. So this is if you don't get one of those top three, and you don't want Hawkinson, you don't want Pitts, and you're just going to wait. And I you're think just... Mark Andrews might be the other of that second tier, but yeah. sure, sure, yeah. yeah. But I'm saying if you're just going to let those guys go, and you're going to sit back and load up on all the other positions, I mean, and you're going to go with a, a you know the the later round, tenth round, pick two tight ends up and just kind of stream your way through. What where are you going with there? Yeah, and by punt the tight end, let me flat out say, if you're in a good position to get one of the top three, Kelsey, Waller, or Kittle, I think it's a good idea to try to do that. I, I think receiver is deep this year, so if you can sacrifice maybe getting a, a, a second-tier receiver to get one of those top three tight ends, you probably should. Yeah, I agree. But, like I said, not if, if, you're one of the other, yeah, if you're one of the other nine teams yeah. who didn't, I, I'm not the biggest believer in Hawkinson where he's currently going. I, I think his... His breakout's already assumed by his ADP. I, I've told you about my reservations about Pitts. Andrews, I he would have to fall to after the fifth or sixth round just because I don't. He he's very t- touchdown reliant because otherwise the passing game in Baltimore is not as strong. So 
And I say fifth or sixth round for Andrews. He's not going there. Mm. I think a lot of people panic if they didn't get a tight end. They want to fill out the rest of the lineup. So by punt the, by, by punt the tight end, we mean after the seventh or eighth round. And you're really good at these in the years past. You punt it complete. You go like 10th or 11th round. You go deep. Yeah, like three yeah. years ago, I, I was fortunate enough to punt the position. And I think in consecutive rounds, I took Mark Andrews and Darren Waller. Yeah, you 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 hit home run, home run. I mean, you went back-to-back like Jose Abreu and Eloy Jimenez. Yeah, it did bite me last year because I picked uh, Blake Jarwin and he went out well, right after th- the That wasn't necessarily... You were right about Blake Jarwin. It's the injury that caught him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't... You were right about him, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but some of the guys I put down based on their current after, average draft position, and, and this is from CBS and ESPN as of last night, some of the guys I'm like, I think um, Logan Thomas is a guy I've reversed course on. Early on, I saw where he was ranked. I didn't like him. I thought he was a potential bust candidate mm-hmm. just because I think a lot of his numbers were because of Alex Smith's dump off. So he'd get like five or six catches for 48 yards. Yeah. He was getting a lot of dump offs. Mm-hmm. Well, now that he slipped all the way to the third pick of the ninth round, I think there's some value there because Ryan Fitzpatrick, while he's not going to throw to the tight end as often, when he does, we're talking 25, 30 yard catches. Yeah. Ryan Fitzpatrick likes to throw downfield. So for ninth pick or ninth round, third pick, he's a good. We've talked in length about Irv Smith currently going in the tenth round. Mm-hmm. So Irv Smith, you brought up Janu Smith. I've got him going as a fourteenth round according to CBS, mm-hmm. and which I thought would go a little higher after the Hunter Henry injury. It hasn't. Fourteenth round, that's great value. And I noticed on CBS's rankings, Evan Ingram's going in the fifteenth round. Yeah, Evan Ingram is how totally- has that happened? He's totally fallen off the reservation. I think everyone's kind of sold on these like giants. Like the spurned ex-lovers? Like yeah. Everybody it, that yeah. wasted early draft picks on him? Well, and... he has been around for like three years, and he's kind of spurned a lot of people. Right. But, I mean, 15th round, are you kidding me? No, this I is, understand. This is where kickers go. You want to talk about like a, a steal late in the draft if you want to punt the tight end is Tyler Higby. Right, yeah. Tyler, Tyler Higby was actually one of the first names on my list. I've got him going 11th pick in the eighth round. Oh well, he's moving a lot, moving a lot higher than because uh, mine isn't the the one I'm looking at right now that I it was 13:06, but that 13th round, sixth pick in the 13th round, but that was that was probably two weeks ago, two three. Weeks yeah, ago. no, I, I printed up uh, CBS and ESPNs from last night. He was eighth, uh, eleventh. I, I don't know why he'd move up that quick. Maybe because he's been sitting out the preseason. I think you're talking about uh, Blake Jarwin is another guy. I think again this year, uh, Cole Komet. Cole Komet's going undrafted. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, my my worry, and we brought it up last week about the injury to the Tevin Jenkins, their left tackle, that he would be asked to block more often. But if he's going completely undrafted, why not? Yeah. I mean, if you're punching the tight end, you're going to take two, somewhere from rounds ten to fifteen. And you're going to stream them, best matchups, hope one of them works out. Well, take, why not take a young guy like Cole yeah. Komet and see what happens? And, and, and even deeper, and I know a lot of guys do. I did a 16-team keeper league with my, with my buddy Chris. He kept that thing afloat for a couple of years, so shout out to Chris for that. 16 teams, you're digging deep. Lots of guys are getting drafted. We're talking dynasty leagues, too. Yep. Um, one guy I liked, Pat Fryermuth from Pittsburgh. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know, and because his nickname in college was Baby Gronk. Okay. You know, he's got the frame. Now, maybe not in a PPR league, but if you're in a deep standard league mm-hmm. and you're looking for a lottery ticket as your backup tight end, I, I, I think why not? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you take him in the 15th round and he doesn't work out for a couple weeks, you drop him and pick up somebody that has. Because, yeah. I mean, Dalton Schultz popped up after Blake Jarwin went down. You got him on waivers. Well, you didn't get him, but yeah. he was selected on waivers. Yeah. So 
when I say why not? I mean, instead of instead of taking a boring veteran that you know what he is, mm-hmm. Pat Fryermuth, why not? I mean, even I can make the case for Tyler Croft. You remember him? Yeah. Well, you remember him because we're fantasy guys, yeah. but most people don't. He's in the he's in New York. He's on the Jets right now. Okay. That coaching staff brought him in because they like him. And I, I think rookie quarterbacks tend to like their tight ends as safety nets. Mm-hmm. So I know Corey Davis is there. A lot of people like Elijah Moore who's a rookie. But again, if you're selecting a backup with upside, if you're going really deep, Pat Fryermuth and Tyler Croft. Put them on your list if you're look if you're going if you're in a league that's deep. Like I said, that 16 team keeper league I did. I mean, you're looking for any active body. Yeah, when we talked about tight ends before, Anthony Fersker is somebody we brought up. Yes, yes. I, I mean, there's so many there's so many guys out there that I feel like when you're talking about the first three, and then the next tier where it's like those next three that you're talking about. But I would dare to say that out of all these other guys that we've mentioned. Some of those guys are going to outscore those 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 second tier three guys. Some of those guys are not right. going to perform as well as they're supposed to. Well, no, Kyle yeah, Pitts, but like we, 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 we talk about the big three. You for, I mean, we don't forget, but George Kittle was injured last year, mm-hmm. so that big three went to big two. And and I mean, like I said, I, I I you know you can't draft for injury. But the point I'm trying to make is the guy last year who drafted George Kittle didn't take a backup tight end. Yeah. So some of these names we're mentioning. They're going to have to pull them off of waivers. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I mean, I just, I'm just saying that that just because you're taking one of these four, five, six, seven, eight ranked guys, that doesn't mean they're going to finish in the top twelve. They might be more likely to finish in the top twelve. Right. But there's a lot of talent that we're seeing here at the end of the draft, where if you punt the position and you take two of these guys, like in rounds thirteen yeah, I, and fifteen, I think as a general rule, if you're punting tight end, you take two. Yeah. But if you're punting it, you know, if you had somebody in 13 and 15, you could put up more num- better numbers than somebody that's starting Mark Andrews every single week. Absolutely. So yeah. I'm just saying like that's this. Every roster spot matters. Now, also when we're saying punt the tight end, we're also saying it's because you missed out on the opportunity for those first three guys. If you yeah. have an opportunity in the second, third, maybe not second round, third round, if you don't, if you don't get Kelsey and you go through the third round, and you don't get Waller or Kittle, then you should probably start backing off yeah. and punt the, punt the that, whole tight end. at some point, forget, yeah. But you can't, don't say you're going to punt the tight end. Don't put it in your head, I'm going to punt the tight end, and then you're at the end of the third round, and Kittle's there, or Waller's there, or something like that. Right. you got to go get these well, guys. Well, even then, Eli, I said, we're talking down because we're lesser on Hawkinson, Pitts, and Andrews, the commonly referred to second tier. But if everybody else does the same thing, and all of a sudden you're in the seventh round and one of those guys pops up, then you've got to yeah. be able to, you know, then you can then you can scoop. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Okay, so if you're punting the quarterback and you're punting the tight end, you're probably going with the, the draft philosophy that I think is the one that usually wins championships. And that's the running back heavy strategy. Absolutely. We, we are both flag waivers of that strategy. Yes, been a flag waiver of the running backs win championships for years. I tell you everybody else all the time, solid teams get you to the playoffs, but running backs win championships when it comes to fantasy football. Well, I mean, that's the thing is even the best wide receivers in the league are not going to get 20 to 25 touches a game. Mm-hmm. And if you're taking a running back from a good team, that fourth quarter, I mean, we talk about garbage time points on bad teams, you know, like the Houston Texans and Brandon Cooks and stuff. Yeah. If you're a good team, Who's winning early and often? That running back's going to get an extra ten carries in that fourth quarter to salt the game away. Yeah, I, I actually saw one one year um, in our ten team league, and uh, Chris squared 
took uh, David Johnson after he had an injury-ridden year, and then on the turn took Zeke Elliott. And by the time he was five, six rounds into that draft, I was like, this season might be over already. And he did. He crushed it that season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, even last year, like I said, in our original league, we both started our draft with because we've got that flex spot, mm-hmm. three straight running backs. Yeah. Now your third running back was Leonard Fournette, who was the starting running back at the Jags at, when you drafted him. And while that didn't work out with the Bucks, you did take Antonio Gibson, who was just awesome. Yeah. And and my third running back draft, I, I I went Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, David Johnson, who was the last of the starters going to last year. We forget he was a starter going into last year. And as dis- most people regard last year. As a disappointment, um, he did finish his RB nineteen, which, which is something I am amazed. By. Yeah, no, I and, and that's the thing. After our segment last week, where I talked about the Houston running back situation, I, I went back and looked. He finished his RB nineteen. Cheers. Which puts him. Yeah, we are drinking Revolution Brewing's Oktoberfest. Love Revolution Brewing. Good stuff. Um, but David Johnson finishes RB nineteen, which mathematically puts him in the RB two spot. And with me being able to put him in my flex. Until Chubb got hurt, that that really helps lead me to the championship. So when we say heavy running back, we're we're saying that most likely um, three of the first four, three rounds. of the first four or five rounds right. are running backs. Usually, your first two are running back, running back. Um, yeah. It doesn't uh, although, have to be that way, no, but you yeah. have to. But it's one of those things where um, I would say that it's not really like a draft strategy because it's. It is a draft strategy, but it's more or less like the, it's the, the norm. It's, it's the norm. It's, it's yeah. the yeah. It's the most common. You don't really see people picking a, a wide receiver, tight end, quarterback. But we'll get into that in a second. Um, but you were saying like most of the time you want to make sure you have some kind of foundation as your running backs, and I believe most of the time running backs win championships. Yeah, most of the time. But you, like I said, I, I I'm a firm believer in it. You're a firm believer in it. But the fact of the matter is, if you're in a 12 team league where 12 guys believe in it. And you're staring down the barrel of the 15th running back or Devontae Adams? Yeah. Well, once again, it's 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 looking at what the room gives you kind of a thing. If you're picking in the top four, I don't think you should be thinking about doing anything else but starting with the running yeah, back. Yeah, no. Yeah, we and we're going to touch on zero running back and hero running back approach, which has become more popular, especially PPR formats. But regardless of your approach, if you've got a top four pick, you can't pass up the opportunity to take one of those guys. Yeah. I, I mean, and again, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, uh, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara. If you have a chance to get one of those guys, you, you, you can't, can't be, pass them up. You can't be sitting at four and take CEH last year. You can't be sitting at four and take Najee Harris. leave Jeff alone. <laughs> I love Jeff. All right, but let's... Okay, so, so we're just going to... Da- we, we, spent, we spent four minutes talking about running back heavy. We don't really need to talk more about it. We're, we, we're subscribers. It's a solid it. approach. We recommend it. It's a solid approach if you have to go that way. Let's talk... Let's talk zero running. Yeah, let's rip off that Band-Aid. I, I know you hesitate talking about it, but by zero running back approach, we obviously, again, don't mean zero. What we mean is you're building, you're taking the opportunity in the first six or seven rounds while everyone else is collecting their running backs to get a top two quarterback in Mahomes or Josh Allen, a top three tight end in um, Kelsey, Kittle, or Waller. And you're waiting till the seventh round to start collecting running backs. And you do that... And and I know people in the in the past. BJ has done it in the past successfully. Uh, Brian Jones tried and, and swung and missed last year. Yeah. But uh, what you do after round seven is you take six running backs, and you hope that two of them work out during the course of the season. And it is the most injured position, and they take a beating. 
And that's going to be your best opportunity usually to find a, a, a player that's going to help you on waivers as a running back. Yeah, I mean, last year, if you think, if you went zero running backs, you didn't need to pick any in the draft. Because you could have picked up Gaskin, you could have picked up James Robinson. Oh, yeah. I mean, these guys Selvin were... Hamad, who, yeah. you know, came in for Gaskin. Um, Tony Pollard, I picked up on waivers when Zeke went down. These guys uh, are out Giovanni there. Giovanni Bernard. I, I think it's a better approach in PPR formats when you can collect some of the third-down running backs like J.D. McKissick, David Johnson's become a third-down running back, James White, uh, Giovanni Bernard on the Bucks. Mm-hmm. They, they can give you value in a PPR league until the rookies or backups you took get their opportunity. And we've talked in length about some of the handcuffed backs like Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison. I think Samaj P. Ryan is a good one behind Joe Mixon. Gus Edwards behind J.K. A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon, yeah. I, I mean, like I said, I... I think, and, and I brought up an example, and if you indulge me for a couple minutes, Go ahead. what I did was, if you're going to take the zero running back approach, again, I do not condone it, neither does Rick. If you want to zig when everybody else zags and try to collect a top two quarterback, top three tight end, stack some receivers, especially in a PPR format, I did an example based on ADP. If you have the sixth pick, you could start your draft with Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Josh Allen, Robert Woods, TJ Hawkinson, Chase Claypool. And then start collecting running backs after the seventh round. And I made an example, Mike Davis, based on ADP. Mike Davis, Damian Harris, now that's going to change. Uh, Lindsey Ingram from Houston. Michael Carter's a guy you liked from the Jets. A.J. Dillon, Tony Pollard. All guys that are around of available after the seventh round. And then I also put together with the 12th pick. Mm-hmm. Say you're in a league, you have the 12th pick. First 11 guys went running back. Now that might be a good spot to take Travis Kelsey. I don't think he'll fall that, fall that far. But if you did that based on ADP, you can go Stefan Diggs, DeAndre Hopkins at the at the you know at one two turn, turn yeah. and then come back with Kyler Murray and CeeDee Lamb, and then you can get Kenny Galladay and Logan Thomas. Mm-hmm. Now I bring that up from the twelfth pick because Kelsey's not going to fall to you at twelve, and on the way back in the third round you're not going to get Killer Killer Waller. Mm-hmm. Now you could do that maybe with a six pick. In the third round, you maybe Waller or Kittle falls to you. But if you're going to take a zero running back approach, you're doing it to stack wide receiver, get a top two quarterback, get a top three tight end. Mm. And just like I said, examples of stuff I brought up. And then, like I said, I, I there's a million guys to target after the seventh round. I think a better approach would be hero running back. Say you're at the back end of the first round, you're able to get a Nick Chubb or Aaron Jones, maybe Zeke Elliott falls. Um, I don't recommend doing it with Saquon Barkley just because of the risk that comes in. But say you say you start your team with Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. and then on the way back Kelsey somehow falls to you. You take Kelsey, or Pat Mahomes comes back to you. Decide I'm going to just take Pat Mahomes and not worry about the quarterback position. And then all of a sudden you find yourself liking a receiver that comes back, so on and so forth. If you're going to go zero or hero running back approach, you you stack handy handcuff backs in PPR. Get those third down backs. I mean, there's some value to be had in the later rounds. Just know that the first couple of weeks you might have to have to eat it at the running back position. Yeah, you know. I think that uh, when you're talking about the the hero running back, uh, zero. Once again, we we talked about it before. I'm not a big subscriber of it. No. Um, if you're gonna do it, do it in PPR leagues. Um, don't. Don't do it in your. Don't do it at the expense of where you're drafting at. Like, i.e., if you're picking in the top six, and the next best player out there is a running back. Don't just be stubborn and say I'm not going to take this running back because I just want to go with zero. Running yeah, backs. yeah. You, I, I think I brought up the sixth sixth spot just in case you decided to want 
Javante Adams. Mm-hmm. And I noticed in, in the sleeper app that I used, um, Justin Jefferson came back. Mm-hmm. And then you were able to get Josh Allen in the third round in the middle. I just brought up the six-pick position because you can get Devontae Adams there, who's a difference maker regardless of format. Mm-hmm. It is an interesting format because you could totally make it work. It, it is. It is. We've seen it work. Yeah, I, I think everyone, if you've been if you're in, if do you've been it, fantasy... You need to be an extremely active owner yeah. who plays waivers. Like I said, you brought up names, several names that that won people championships last year from waivers. Mm-hmm. But I think the best approach, if you're in a snake draft, um, anywhere from the ninth to 12th pick is probably your best bet if you're going to do that. Something pair Kelsey with Stefan Diggs or yeah. something to that effect. Yeah. Um, I think that if you were going to do Hero, I, I would say most likely the best spot to do that is if you're picking in the top five and you take one of those top four running backs and stuff like that. Then I you see where you're going with like, okay. Let me throw this out to you. Um, we talked about it before, and I just want to throw it out there because I just think, wow, I just it, it blows my mind thinking about this. If you go, if you go Christian McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey at with the one, first pick. Yes. Yeah. Let's say a 12-team league, 10-team league, whatever. If you go Christian McCaffrey and on the turn back, say Mahomes is still there. All right. I know that it's kind of a reach, you know, because people take him in the second round. But say Mahomes is there, and you take Mahomes, and then you take Waller or Kittle. Now you've got McCaffrey. You've got probably the the best Best quarterback, quarterback, the best running back, and 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 probably top two or three tight end. Yeah, you have an advantage you over everybody at three load positions. load up your roster the whole rest of yeah. the draft taking running backs, nothing but running backs and receivers. Yeah, when, i, I got to admit, you brought that up to me in the um, pre-recording uh, discussion, and I, I t- that kind of blew me away. The possibility of that is very real. And, and I'm an old-school running back-heavy guy, but that's a great point. If somehow Mahomes falls back, or even first pick, third round, Josh Allen's good value at that point, if you if you want to go Waller Allen, I but I think it works better with Mahomes. But if you've got a top one, two, or three pick, or a top one in your example, and you start your draft with Christian McCaffrey, Pat Mahomes, and Darren Waller, that's huge. Mm-hmm. You don't need to take a quarterback or tight end the rest of the draft, and you can just collect running backs and receivers for the rest of the draft, and you have a huge advantage over everybody else. I mean, if you even think about it, you could still go heavy running back because your next two picks could be running back, running back. And yeah, with the amount of depth at receiver this year and the amount of people that are being slipping down later in the draft that we brought up in ADP yeah. two weeks ago, uh, oh, my God. You could you could actually say, like, instead of a zero running back or a hero running back, you could even do, like, a hero receiver where you pretty much just have Robert Woods on your team, a guy like a Robert Woods or something like that, and then don't take a receiver until the seventh or eighth round and then just load up on yeah, receivers the whole rest Donald of the draft. Moonies, get yeah. Your, yeah. No, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I I like balance, but I understand what you're saying. I mean, because um, there's a lot of receivers I like later in the draft that you could absolutely make that work. Because how many running backs do you actually say, oh, i got to get this guy at the end of the draft? None of them are there. They're all backups. They're all, yeah, yeah, you know what no, I mean? Like, you're, the, you're saying there's a type of back I'd like at the end, but although, like I said, where, where we defer a lot is the handcuffs. Like, if I'm taking Zeke Elliott in the first round, I want Tony Pollard. Yeah, but Tony Pollard's going in some drafts, right. seventh, eighth, ninth, yeah, tenth round. The guys that that go zero running back or hero running back are targeting those guys. I understand. But I'm saying what those you're saying. guys are already going to be gone. So when you're talking about the last three rounds of the draft, how many running backs of actual value are actually going to be there? There's a lot of receiver yeah, value out absolutely, there. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like like Marquez Callaway had two more touchdowns on Monday. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that he, 
I mean, when we first started bringing him up, he was undrafted. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping the old recency bias doesn't catch us, where all of a sudden he's a 10th round pick. Oh, you brought him up before when you, you know? were saying uh, the ADP, and you were talking about people that you were think were guys that were under the radar that you liked, and that was somebody you brought up. Yeah, I, I, I really, like I said, if, if you if you look at NOLA.com, you know, it's the New Orleans site that follows the Saints, they've been screaming his name for a while, and I started paying attention. So I, I'm I'm kind of worried now because he was one of my guys I wanted to target for depth. But after that Monday night game where he had two touchdowns with Jameis Winston, where Winston more or less locked up to starting position. I, Sean Payton says he's waiting until before week one, but I think we all know Jameis Winston has won that job. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if he targeted Callaway early and often in the first half of that game and Michael Thomas is serving his suspension, I, I mean, not suspension, injury. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's a great target right there. Yeah. All right, so let's get to a, a question from one of our, our listeners, and we appreciate it. Um, Chris uh, actually asked me, um, who would you rather save? Uh, now, you get to save somebody, I would assume it's at the round that you drafted him in. It is, Tim, I'll throw this out to you first, DeAndre Swift Swift in the 7th or Damian Harris at, in the 12th? Yeah, and it's interesting that we ask, get asked that today with the trade of Sony Michelle to the Rams all but leaving the number one running back position, albeit the first and second down running back in New England to Damian Harris. And I think that's where lies the question. I think my answer, my, my question would be, is it PPR or standard? Hmm. Well, let's say it's PPR. because most PPR, I PPR. think it's pretty cut and dry. I know a lot of people do PPR nowadays. If it's PPR, I, I agree with you that it's pretty cut and dry to get DeAndre Swift for seventh is really good value. Because in PPR leagues, DeAndre Swift's going to the third round. In standard... And I think this is where we're going to disagree. I think it's standard Damian Harris for a 12th rounder is great value. I, I mean, because he's going to, if somebody's going to get you 100 yards and a rushing touchdown of those two, I think it's Damian Harris. And if you're going to tell me that's 12th round value in a standard league, I'll take it. Yeah. I, I think you can't really go wrong with either one of them. And you're talking about it in a standard league. I think that when you're talking about it in a PPR league, I feel like DeAndre Swift, when you're just talking about, it's a third round pick that you're getting at a seventh round value. And I think that's something that you can't really pass up because that's where I feel like that's where there's a lot of, a lot of value to be made is getting those early round guys later in drafts, not the mid round guys later in drafts. Um, I I understand your point. I I just, I think Damian Harris has the potential to be a solid RB two in a standard league. I just think before it's just, if we're doing the assumptions, PPR, I understand your point about DeAndre Swift and can be talked into it. Yeah, I just think when you're talking about it, I think what you're saying, like, Damian Harris, I think if you're saying, like, is Damian Harris have any chance of finishing in the top 12 for running backs? Not a PPR league. Okay, does, does DeAndre Swift? While I have my reservations about him, he absolutely does. Yes, yeah. I feel like DeAndre Swift's ceiling, that's where I'm going at, is, is I, you want to go with the guy that has that high ceiling. And I feel like DeAndre Swift, he could have that high ceiling. I think he could totally just come out and, and totally surprise everybody and just come out. And I, and I just have, and we can bring it up in our last segment, I have very low expectations for Detroit. I, I do too. The, Detroit is one of the worst teams in the league. They might already be on the clock if Houston wasn't playing in this league. Their, their coach is laughable and Jamal Williams is there and I don't I don't 100% trust that coach Belichick I know and I know that if he thinks running the ball is going to win him a game he'll feed the ball 25 times to Damian Harris yeah 
I, I understand. I, I think when you're talking about the the quality of the team, then obviously Damian Harris is is probably a more sound pick. I think we could both agree that it's not a bad spot to be in when you're no, talking. No, it's about a great spot. Two. That that means, and we know him. I mean, you know him a lot better than I do, but we know he's a solid drafter and he knows what he's doing. So mm-hmm. when he poses a question like that, it's not going to be a layup. It's not going to be a yeah. Do I start Pat Mahomes or you know Zach Wilson? I, I mean, that's a great. You know, like I said, I. I'm leaning towards Damian Harris, but I think as a show, I think we should probably say DeAndre Swift in the seventh and enjoy your league. Yes, yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, Tim, let's let's spit out some would you rather's here. Yeah, um, you, you just, hit me with one. I'll hit, yeah. I'll, I'll turn back with one. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one up that's that's early in the draft here. I'm gonna throw out some some. Well, yeah, I, I and I think in mine the ones I'm gonna hit you with. Once we learned our draft position for our original league and then the PPR league we do, I hit your sleeper app. Mm-hmm. I inserted the league settings, and, and, and these were some of the interesting ones that I was posed with, so I wanted to bounce off of you. Okay. All right, real easy one. Waller or Kittle? Waller. Yeah. I, I like Darren Waller. Uh, he has been the focal point of his, his offense for the last couple of years. He is the only guarantee in the Las Vegas receiving core, and... He's back at practice. Yeah. So, I, I mean, what do you think? I, I think Waller. I think you, you can't go really go wrong either way. I would probably prefer Waller, but I, I think Kittle would be. You, once again, it's one of those, when we, these would you rathers are basically pretty much probably like, you're probably not wrong either way you go. Right. I, I, I think personal preference reigns the yeah. day. But, I mean, if you're going to ask, I'll, yeah. I'll say Waller. Yeah, I'd say Waller too. Um, Let me throw one at you. Uh, now, we pulled the draft order for our PPR league. I had spot eight, and I pulled up the sleeper app just to do a quick draft. And... I had the eighth pick, and we've talked about the importance of getting a, a, a steady running back. I was at the eighth spot in a PPR league, and I had the choice of Devontae Adams or Nick Chubb. What do you take? Uh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, right? I would. I would. Uh, I'm going to say Devontae Adams. I think. Why have the number eight running back when you can have the number one wide receiver? No, I, I hear you. I, I and I did that in that example. Okay. I did take him, and I think that's the point of doing mock drafts. I've done about eight on the sleeper app. just to, And I do it, and I think it's a good exercise. I do it to see, like you did with our mock last week, if I take Kelsey in the first round, how far behind the eight ball does that put me? If I take a receiver early. Now, in that spot, you know my affinity for Nick Chubb. I love me some Nick Chubb. I took Devontae Adams to see what would come back to me at running back. And now in that scenario, round two ended up being Austin Eckler, and round three... I think it sank a little bit. I ended up with a Chris Carson, mm-hmm. which is not the best approach. That's why I ask. I hesitated a little bit. So you, you in that so would are you, you rather learned your lesson that you should take Nick Chubb at that point? Um, I think when posed the thing, I'd still take Demont Adams and hope hope something comes back. To, I guess you don't want to draft with the approach of a hope. Gotcha. But I really like me some Nick Chubb, and I really think it's important to get a solid running back to start your draft. All right. Okay. Another one that's higher up in the draft. Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Julio Jones. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I have one similar to that, but, uh, man, you know my hesitation with Julio. <laughs> I, I think that's why you, you set me up for that one. Yeah, I did. I, 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 Julio is one of those 31 weeks, zero the next. Yeah. And how many weeks he played decoy or was inactive at 11 a.m. Like yesterday? Yeah, I, but I would dare to say all three of those guys are those are those kind of players. No, you're probably right. So it's a risk assessment thing. 
So, I mean, what is this? Second or third round? Is yeah, this we're talking turn? probably, you know, third, third, fourth round. Yeah. And don't give me I'd rather take somebody else or something like that. That's uh, why we're doing this Would You Rather. All right, say those names again. I think Amari I threw Cooper, when, when I heard Julio, I threw up in my mouth a little. Amari Cooper, Mike Evans, Julio Jones. They're all right next to each other. No, I, I I know, I know. I, I guess if you're if you're making me gun to head choose one of the three, I take Julio for his upside. I I think um, that I'm very down on Evans and Amari. I'm kind of right. I'm kind of indifferent on Julio, so I'd probably take Julio just for the fact that I'm down so much farther on. The I just other once two. you said his name, I threw up in my mouth a little. <laughs> Amari Cooper. It's just, not the good beer I'm drinking. Amari Cooper has never been on my fantasy team. But I remember wanting him when he was on the Raiders, and after a while, going, I don't know why I want this guy. <laughs> he, he's just he loses you, he loses you it more games than he wins. To have part of the Dallas passing game, it is intriguing because yeah, that that could be a thirty point a week team. Yeah, but I'd rather have Ceedee Lamb at the same exact spot. If I get get Ceedee Lamb, I take. Well, CD he wasn't Lamb. part of that. Would you? Rather? No, no. I'm just saying. But you were the one that brought up the the Dallas thing. And when you're talking about the value of getting Gallup, I don't know. Somewhat eight rounds later, I would rather take Gallup. Right, it, yeah, and that was I brought that up in my in my well, no, I what I did there was cross off my next question because I was going to say when I was doing a position nine draft, mm-hmm. fourth pick in the fourth round, I had the choice of C.D. Lamb, Julio, or Godwin, and that's really similar to what you just asked, and I know your answer is C.D. Lamb, yeah, and that's what I did. So why not cross that off because we've already although I do that like bridge. Godwin too, I do like Godwin. No, I, I understand, but like what we were bringing up in our Tampa example, mm-hmm. if you like the three receivers they have. The one I'm most likely to end up with is Antonio Brown, just because they're current ADP. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So uh, let me ask you this. Okay. And I, and I know what you did in the mock draft last week, and you did that for an example. Position nine, first pick. You're staring down the barrel of Kelsey, Aaron Jones, or Zeke. Who do you take? Kelsey, Aaron Jones, or Zeke. I would say it's pretty hard. To not think that Zeke's going to rebound. And I would probably take Zeke. I would take Ezekiel Elliott, I believe. Um, I think that Aaron Jones... Well, the hesitation in your voice makes me think it was a good question. It was a good question. It is a good question because it makes you think fairly. All these things, I think, make you stop and pause and think because we're just throwing out, you know, solid player versus solid player. Or garbage player with garbage player with garbage player. Well, yeah, I don't know. I I think that... To hit garbage player, you have to be anything after 10th round. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying that... um, I'm, I think that I would go with Zeke because I think that Dallas. And we're agreeing way too much. Dallas <laughs> has a really good chance. Well, <laughs> it took us to like what yeah. episode seven so, to so, finally agree on stuff. Took us to the, like the, we're not doing Would You Rather ever again because we this agree way too check, much. Check, check, check. He right. trapped me. So I say Zeke. What do you? What would you say, Zeke? Again? I um I think for the exercise I took Kelsey to see what running backs came back. I know who Aaron Jones is. Mm-hmm. I know he's a solid pick. You can plug in almost every week. Although Green Bay loves to do the Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams at the one-yard line. The more... I I took Kelsey in that exercise to see what I would get. I didn't like the running back core I ended up with. So I would say of those three guys, who has the potential to be a top-five fantasy performer? Zeke does. I think if you're picking at the end of the first round, it's becoming more and more clear to me that Kelsey might be a direct way to go. Because... I think that... So you're saying in that exercise you'd go Kelsey? No, I'm saying that I would go with Zeke. If Zeke was gone, I might take Kelsey. I probably would take Kelsey before I take Well, it's interesting. In our league on Sunday, you have the 12th pick. Are you saying if Kelsey comes there, you're taking him? 
I, I don't want to incriminate myself. <laughs> I will say that... Uh, Jeff's not listening. Paul's definitely not listening. I will say... <laughs> <laughs> Paul I, doesn't know what Spotify is. I will say that I do lean towards if the draft goes the way that I think, it, the way that it could go, and other players are picked before that, then I probably would take Kelsey. Okay. He's sitting there as one of my guys. Probably one of my three or four guys that I would say at the turn, that's one of the guys that I want. Okay, okay. I know the other guy, but the more the more that I the more that I'm looking at this, the more and the more I'm doing these mock drafts and I'm seeing what team I come out with. If I have Kelsey, I mean, Kelsey I, I think the case gets better and better for for having him. The more that you do mocks, the better it looks. I feel like the better your team looks every single time you do a mock draft with Kelsey at the end of the first so are, round. Are we doing a Maya Copa and Ryan? Are we saying he might be smart if he's that guy? Well, when is Ryan picking eighth? I, I don't know. I, I, I think he picks right. We don't need he facts right to get in the way of a good story. You. He picks right before you. If he picks Kelsey at eight, um, I mean, may, maybe I think eight's too early. He's I when we posed the question way back when, who was the guy who was going to be taking the first round? I immediately said Ryan. Now he happens to have the eighth pick. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I don't think I called him an idiot. Well, that's something I usually I do think, anyway. I think if uh, if do you he think falls, at this point that's a good pick. Well, I'll tell you what. If he falls the twelve, he will not be a first round pick. Oh, I'll take you, him on the turn. <laughs> you jackass. <laughs> all right, fine. Hit me with another one. All right, all right. Let me throw these out let me, to you. Let me take a drink of my beer. Go ahead while you're taking a sip of your beer. Adam Thielen, Cooper Cup. That's easy. Cooper Cup. All right. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, I've already told you my reservations on Thielen. I think his touchdowns is what paid the bill last year, and I think regression screams regression. And you know my love for the Rams. Yeah, well, regression screams regression. I don't know. I think that it's it's pretty close. That's one of those that I was having a hard time I'm avoiding, I'm, I'm avoiding Minnesota in the case of tiebreakers. Oh, all right. All right. I could totally relate with that. I mean, I think just with the fact that, it, once again, what it, Minnesota receivers, just like Chris Carter, Randy Moss, all they do is catch touchdowns. Maybe all Adam Thien does catch touchdowns. And if he catches, I don't know, eight catches a game and two of them are for touchdowns, I'm on board for that. Yeah, but I know I know who Cooper Cup is. Yeah. All right. A healthy Cooper Cup. All right, who you got? Okay, um, well, let me throw one at you here. Position nine, back three spots. Say you have your choice of Chris Carson, David Montgomery, or Miles Sanders. He just took one of mine. <laughs> he just well, took one of my picks. Um, okay, so David Montgomery, Chris Carson, Chris or, Carson Miles Sanders. or Miles Sanders. I am down on Seattle. The, well, these are some of the guys that, in my exercise, yeah. came at the end of the third round when I was trying to fill another running back spot or flex spot. These are the guys I was staring at. Yeah, I am down on Seattle, so I'm down on Chris Carson. Um, and well, what? I was going to say, don't tell me you're high on Miles Sanders because we've already... Well, Miles has been on my team too many times. Okay. Um, so I would probably say David Montgomery because I know that, um, I know that if Chicago... Makes an attempt to run the ball. <laughs> They've been pretty that's, successful. That's a massive if. That's massive. a massive if. But I'm saying, like, what happened? I know that everyone wants to say, oh, the, their schedule got easier towards the end of the season. And so Tariq Owens was hurt. But they made a and legitimate... And Williams was not there. It doesn't make a difference. They made a legitimate attempt to run the football. And when they did, David Montgomery was successful. I, I just, I have a lot of reservations about him. In that spot, I took, and I like Chris Carson. I know your thing with Seattle... We disagree. We talked at the Hall of Fame game, and we did play it a little over-under. I like Seattle this year. I know that's a tough division. I like Chris Carson. 
I took him in that spot. I have major reservations about David Montgomery. And we've already talked about Miles. I Sanders. have major reservations with Chris Carson as well, though. Chris Carson I, has I gotten think, hurt a lot. I, I, think I in, mean, how many times did you see Chris Carson got hurt? And then Rashad Penny got hurt. And then, and then DJ Dallas is running the yeah, ball. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. What I, I think what this illustrates, how is how important it is to get a running back in the first two rounds. Because if these are the guys coming at the back end of the third round, and we have ifs about all of them, that just illustrates how important it is to get one. So, I, I mean, I like Carson, you like David Montgomery, potato, potato, you know. <laughs> potato, potato. <laughs> Nobody says potato. <laughs> All right. Let me throw this out to you. Okay, so you have... Uh, this is great audio. Yeah, I, 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 got, I got caught up here because look, I'm looking at two different things. No one's listening. All right, so with what happened today, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire for James Robinson. Whew. That's a tough one, because we were just saying that James Robinson is a is a solid third round pick. Ceh is going back into the second round, early third. Now he was in my one of my questions. I was going to ask you if you've got position one, and you're at the two three turn, like I was last week in our mock scenario. I ended up going Ceh. Um, I still think I would go Ceh in that scenario, because I trust Kansas City more than I trust Jacksonville. Mm. What about you? Yeah, I think that you're talking, but I think James Robinson last year, I know he only had like three or 400 yards receiving. I think you brought it up in his yeah, stats. Li- yeah, almost so, 400, but yeah. I think that he actually caught a lot of balls out of the backfield. I mean, yeah, even 49. If yeah, I'm saying like, I, I think there's a lot of value in James Robinson as a, as a catching receiver, uh, as a catching running back. So you think he's moved... With this injury, he's moved ahead of CEH. Uh, I'm saying if the two came up, I would probably have a hard decision. I to mean, make. this is your question. I yeah, I'm saying <laughs> I'm saying that I actually prefer the upside of James Robinson. With Interesting. Than CEH right now because CEH is is in a, in a, a highly dominant passing uh, KC offense. Yeah, but that highly dominant passing offense has got a two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter. Guess who's getting the ball? Uh, Darren Williams. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you asked me to guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the answer to or, that. Or uh, Jarek McKinnon. He's in KC now. Jarek McKinnon. Wow. Man, he remember his once promising career? Yeah, with uh, Minnesota. Man, I, I, I was on him so many times, and that never worked out. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. what do you got? Um. Well, you know, that led to one of the questions I was at the 2-3 turn. Some of the guys available, there were CEH, J.K. Dobbins, David Montgomery, Nache Harris. Of that four-pack, who are you taking to? At the 2-3 turn? At the 2-3 turn, these were the guys that were available in the scenario I did. There was CEH, J.K. Dobbins, David Montgomery, Nache Harris. I need God, to- you know what? I am really big on J.K. Dobbins, but it would be really hard to pass on Najee Harris if he falls all the way to the turn there at 2-3. I, I, I agree. I, I agree. I, and, you know, I think I've already talked about my reservations about Dobbins. Talk about my reservations in Montgomery. I just I thought it was interesting when I looked at some of the draft scenarios in the mo- in the nine mocks that I've done. Mm-hmm. I think so. that I think that with the uh, Ceh, the stuff that I was thinking about last year, like I really liked Ceh and I wanted my team. Jeff picked him, I think, third or fourth overall. No, no, it was six. We brought was out it? the draft okay. board la- last yeah. week at the end of the episode. It, it was six, but well, yeah, it still doesn't change the fact that that just. From what I saw last year, I just wasn't impressed from what I saw. Maybe it was the fact that just Mahomes was just doing so So there's much. no, you don't give any weight to the fact that Le'Veon Bell's gone? 
uh, I, was Le'Veon, I don't know. When I was watching KC last year, I don't feel like Le'Veon Bell was that integral of a part of that team. Well, he ate, the numbers bored out. He ate mm. it to his production. Because before they acquired him, CEH was a solid RB1. Mm. I feel I, like we're talking about the same thing we were just talking about the last time. Because I feel like you got Jarek McKinnon, you got Darren Williams. If you're going to talk about Damian Williams on the Bears, then you might then you got to talk about Darren Williams on the Chiefs. All right, all right, fine. I, I, I agree to disagree. So where were you going with that group? Because I say Najee Harris, J.K. Dobbins, C.E.H., and David I understand, Montgomery, yeah. I, I, I made my reservations about the Pittsburgh offensive line. I, I say Najee Harris. I don't think he falls to that point. It's just in that exercise he was close. I, I say Najee Harris first, C.E.H. second, then Dobbins, then Montgomery. But I think if you're in position one and that's the turn, you only take one of those guys because... If you take three straight running backs in position one, mm-hmm. your next wide receiver might be, you know, Amari Cooper. Gotcha. All so. right. Let me throw these out to you here. Here's some Here's some at the bottom of the draft now we're talking. All right. I've got my little paper here. Let me pull out my little post-it yeah, note Yeah, get that here. post-it note. Yeah. yeah. Gabriel Davis, Traquan Smith, Brian Edwards. Ooh. Ah. That's interesting. I think Gabriel Davis. All the mocks that I've been doing, he's been one of my favorite 13th, 14th round last wide receiver. Really like him. Yeah. I, and, he, and he played out well. Again, it was preseason, but he played out well in this preseason game. Yeah. I think we brought it up in the ADP where I was like, how is this guy going all the way at the end of the draft? Well, he's going because they brought in Emmanuel Sanders, and they still have Cole Beasley, and they still have Stephon Diggs. I, I think that, I think that yeah, I would agree with you on Gabriel Davis, but, man, Brian Edwards has been looking really good in camp. And they've been talking really highly of yeah. him. I would say that Brian Edwards probably could and probably will put up better better numbers than Ruggs this year. I, you know, I'm not. You're not going to get an argument out of me. Ruggs was high, uh, higher drafted. Brian Edwards out of that draft slipped because of his injury history, and it showed last year. But I, I think he could be the number two receiving option in that offense behind Waller, where we probably can't say that about Gabriel Davis. Mm-hmm. So maybe you've converted me. Maybe Brian Edwards, but I, I like Gabriel. He, Gabriel Davis seems to be on my team in every mock because mm-hmm. I like him where he's going. But I understand what you're saying about Brian Edwards. All right, so we're running low on time. Do you have one more before we start wrapping things up? Um, no, you know, I, there is one going in the sixth round of fifth range where it's Cortland Sutton, OBJ, or DJ Shark. I think it's really hard to give any credit to picking OBJ. I, I You really have to be... Soul searching to to take a shot at Eldell Beckham. So Jr. no reservations about Cortland Sutton's injury and the fact that he hasn't played in a preseason game yet. I think when you're talking about OBJ, Cortland Sutton, and DJ Chark, I would probably lean more towards Cortland Sutton. Only for the fact of the matter is, is that OBJ I feel like has had a lot of seasons, um, and he's continually um, let let it down with the injuries and stuff like that. Cortland Sutton had the one injury last year. But besides that, he was... ACL, pretty serious Yeah, but injury. I'm saying, but he did have... But it's but it is one injury. Yeah. I mean... Okay. Oh, I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah. I, no, I, 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 I think, think of those three, if I'm staring down the barrel of those three, I agree with you on Sutton. I'm just playing devil's advocate. I think that... I think when you're talking about Bridgewater being there and making those three receivers um, top 30... He does make 30, me feel better, he, yeah. Yeah, you're talking about Noah Fant and uh, Cortland Sutton and uh, Jerry Judy. I think, I think all those guys could finish... You know, in the top, you know, top of their of their respective positions, because look what he did with Carolina. Absolutely. And I think like Jerry, when you talk about Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton versus, let's say, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore, I mean, it's pretty close. Yeah, absolutely. 
All right, so we're going to wrap it up here. We've uh, we've went a little over on our time, which more than we I have mean, we're before. Excited. We always, I always have pages of stuff I didn't get to. Yeah, and so do you. We have a bunch of stuff here. We're still excited to talk about. Um, I know that. Uh, Thanks for all coming along the ride with us. Yeah, I know that everyone's got the drafts probably coming up within the next two weeks. I mean, we are. This is Wednesday, the twenty fourth or twenty fifth. Somewhere um, in there. Yeah, but I mean, no, we're two weeks away. We're two weeks and one day away from kickoff. From opening day. I mean, it's awesome. It's, it's exciting. exciting. It really is. We're all pumped up about it. All of my drafts are going to be done this Sunday. So by the time I talk to you next time, I'll be able to give you some of my rosters, uh, some of my draft strategies, some what I did in my drafts. And we'll look at some of the things I did, think I did right, some of the things I think I did wrong. Um, yeah, he'll tell you what he did so you can fade that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but we're we're excited for it. I'm excited for fantasy football. You know I am. I'll, I'll be up at 4 a.m. on Sunday. We hope you guys are excited. We hope you guys have enjoyed listening to us. Um, we're going to be getting into a little more draft, draft strategy that we're going to be talking about next week, even though our drafts are done, just to throw some extra stuff to you. Yeah. We're going to throw out some bold predictions next week. I think I... I Threw the gauntlet down to Tim to throw. Probably homework about, assignment. Yeah, the homework, homework assignment. assignment. I said write down like seven or eight and let's go back and forth. Yeah, we're going to go bold. bold. We're, we're not talking about, you know, someone's going to rush for 1,400 yards. We're yeah. coming out with bold predictions yeah. hopefully next week. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so we're going to draft our teams. We're excited for the draft. We hope you guys are excited for your drafts. Yeah, Tim? Have fun, guys. I remember the whole point of it is to have fun. Um, and I know... If you look at Tim 15 years ago, I probably got a little too excited about it. Have fun with it, guys. Have fun. Enjoy. Uh, that's why we do live drafts, to, to have fun and enjoy with your friends. Life takes you in different directions. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. Thanks for coming along for the ride, guys. Yeah, man. Live the live the fantasy of life, but live with fantasy football. Because <laughs> wow. football is here. I'm excited. Man. I just made that up. I don't even... That won't even be my... my uh, my trademark, my hashtag, or anything like that, because I won't even remember Damn, it. I think next that uh, week. table underneath you just moved up a couple <laughs> of <bit on> inches. <laughs> He's excited, guys. I'm raising the roof over here. You guys have a great night. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you.